Welcome to That Moto Show with Dirt Bike TV's Jay Clark and producer Donnie Bales. Welcome to That Moto Show, number three. Kind of like Tomac, right? All right. Um, this is a tech-focused podcast, and we take your questions. So if you'd like to have your question answered, you just email me. And you can go to our contact and our links on our link tree or from our website, and you just email us. And that's the easiest way. I don't make you wait for the show. I'll usually email you back with an answer, and then we can bring those questions into here because other people will have those same questions. That's kind of what we've learned. So if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, we'll try to explain things that we're showing in photos as best we can. But on YouTube, you can see everything that, that we do, of course. So, um, Donnie. Uh, you know, we've, we've done two episodes so far. The response has been really good. I haven't had any hate other than we did have a little few little technical problems the second round, but we've got those ironed out. So tell me what you got going on. Well, listen, for, first, I'm excited to be here. I, actually, really excited to have Spencer here because uh, I'm basically uh, not that great at uh, doing like 10 things at once. So having Spencer here does help, and he's super uh, technically knowledgeable, so that's really helpful. Uh, so I'm happy about that. So we're going to have a technical producer. Uh, uh, you're going to have a co-producer for like three months or so. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah th- I'm going to I'm going to actually call him the executive producer. So <laughs> I can just be the like lower guy. It's totally fine with me as, as long as Spencer goes. I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. Oh, so before we get going, I actually have a present for Spencer. Really, you and Spencer, but mainly for Spencer. Okay. What'd oh, you get? Here we go. Okay, so I was vacationing, and I did find oh, yeah. some of these uh, amazing water bottles that Spencer uses. Nice for fuel. Yes. Uh, these you, are smaller, though. These are smaller. These uh, are but nice. They're uh, they're, 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 they're they're grand. They're, they're a custom. little more expensive. They're a little bit branded, aren't they? They are branded. So were these in the hotel room? These were in the hotel room. How much room? were these? Did no, you know? no. They, uh, they're complimentary. complimentary. They okay, were complimentary. Okay, okay. Uh, so it does say Grand Wiley on them. This would be at least $10 at like a you know like a cheaper resort but you you go to the nice resorts yeah you don't yeah i shouldn't say where i go but i do i do uh, my wife does like comfort uh but anyways i, there I we thought go. about you guys immediately those when are I perfect them. and then people will stop complaining that we're using plastic to yeah. carry our fuel well these are reusable yes yeah. so the first time i saw these they was aluminum? When, yeah tent. when we went on that be, uh, right? utah ride and spencer yeah. pulled these out with yep. gas and i'm like man these things are awesome where yeah. do you get them and you got them locally at a gas station yeah so then when i'm on vacation and i see these i'm like Oh man, I got to bring these back, and then it makes me look super bougie because it says Grand Wiley on yeah. it. So, so the bars just turn the opposite direction on your bike by themselves right now. Yeah, yeah. So that's gonna be people are gonna be wondering about the little what what little ugly dog turned the bars on that bike. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a pug. She is amazing, and uh, Jay thinks she's ugly, but I don't. Well, no, and, and I do. You're, I always say that you guys are gonna get a fast ticket into heaven because you guys took care of pugs. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I had three, and I have one left. Poor things by herself. But yes. yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, we're glad to have Spencer here, and thanks for the presence. That's awesome. We we will use it. We'll put him in our our moto backpack that we take to the uh, trail riding. Yeah, I actually have tracks. two more for you. you two I more? just uh, just brought out these two. Nice. Nice. Yeah. nice. Okay. All right. So everybody's ready, excited. Uh, Supercross. If we're with this show goes up, you'll be watching Supercross tonight. Uh, for those, and if you watching this or listening to this after Supercross, hopefully it's been awesome. I can't see as how it's not going to be awesome. Uh, I would think, right, Donnie? Yeah, I'm so excited for Supercross uh, for that one. Uh, person to return uh, yeah. I'm really happy about that and I'm happy about to, to see what uh, this kid does well unfortunately so, he's not racing until East Coast yeah, I know racing. but I'm still excited yeah. about Supercross is running but I'm still excited about this. yeah no it should be really cool I'm always looking forward to, to the beginning of the season and it should be great I, I am worried about a little bit of a run by Jet but so we want to hopefully uh, 
hopefully he can get some bad starts a little bit, just a tiny bit, and make it fun and interesting. And I think it should be awesome. So I actually entered. Uh, uh, well, uh, GL called me uh, the other day for a pool. Yeah, they have a fantasy uh supercross and i'd never done it before so he's like hey you know you want in i'm like sure so i'm gambling on it this year <laughs> okay okay very good all right so let's get let's get right to it we, we people don't come to hear us talk about yeah. silly stuff like this they can hear that on other places so we just want to answer your tech questions spencer's going to start us off with our first one and we'll get going all right first one comes uh, from a youtube comment from d saying Power washing is not necessary. This is one of the common maintenance mistakes. Water and moisture get into all kinds of pockets on the motorcycle. The wire harness, electrical connections, bearings, etc. You power wash the motorcycle, the water penetrates everywhere, and then you park the motorcycle for a period of time in a dark, unventilated place. A sure recipe for corrosion, rust, etc. Unless you did something stupid and drove in a salty area like the beach. It's better to park a dirty and dry motorcycle than a clean and wet one. Okay, so at first, like Spencer and Donnie were like, man, this sounds crazy. But there is some truth to what he's saying, is that power washing is hard on bikes. There's no way around it. So over the years, we have found bikes that have never really been washed, and things are a lot better. But the downsides are cases are stained. Uh, that That's hard to get off because they, they, the the dirt will stick to the bottom of your cases it stains that the swing arm the aluminum parts it'll be stained the other problem is you can't adequately work on your bike you can't change your oil or inspect your clutch or bleed your brakes or anything with a dirty bike that part's really difficult now if so if you're riding like say i, I talked about guys who are riding say from their house and they're just riding in dusty mainly dusty conditions not very muddy not a lot of water crossings it probably is better just to put it away and and not wash it you still need to do your prep work and there are a few times where we don't wash after every ride but we wash after most every ride but we if we don't wash we will still go through and do a uh, checklist of prepping things checking the chain oiling the chain doing a lot of those things so the power washing what's difficult about power washing is it gets in there to those bearings and to those electronics especially on newer bikes and so the key to and we have videos showing how we power wash bikes and wash bikes there's a key if we don't have time to be adequately or stopping at a car wash, for instance, and we can't adequately have compressed air to blow the bikes off and to blow in there, we won't typically do it. We'll wait. So it's important to do your bike, your washing, and think of it as prepping for the next ride at the same time. That's how you have to look at it. I, and, uh, Carl Kramer, for, uh, old dirt rider yeah. uh, forever, he never, ever power washed a bike. Yeah. Never, and he and he complained to me about when I'm like, oh no, dude, I need this. this well, thing. and it's it, it, there is a nice thing. There's also when you're power washing a bike, we lay it on both sides. We have videos showing that we lay it on both sides. We're power washing it. We are looking, and now also we're riding. I don't want to say at a, maybe a higher level than some other guys, but when you're riding extreme off-road conditions or a lot of motocross, things are gonna break. Bolts are gonna be missing. Uh, things like that. You're seeing wear items. So when you're washing that bike, I notice things right away, and we make a list right away of the things that we notice when we're washing that are wrong with the bike. So th those things you're not gonna catch if you're not washing your bike. Pretty simple. So there's another factor too. And that is how often do you change over bikes? Right, right. And so we don't have bikes for 15 years, you know, kind of thing. So we're right. having them short. The other thing is a, a nice little trick is removing your seat after washing or during washing and you can block off your air filter. If you can remove your seat and even tank sometimes, you can be blowing off all your electronics that is better on the bikes to blow all that off. And blow those, you know, the steering stem, linkage, we blow off all these key areas and all of our electronics, we're blowing all that off after we're done washing. So it's a good question. He does, he, there is some truth to that. I think some people, would, you know, would think that's kind of crazy, but it, it, it 
definitely is going to help reduce some of those corrosion problems. All right. Uh, awesome. Got our next one for us? Yeah. Um, so this comes from ASAP Huna, and they ask, what's been y'all's favorite bike ever owned could also be picked just from sentimental value too so it doesn't have to be the best performance okay so but so the, favorite best so the favorite best right now is our 350 xcfs and donnie has one and i have one and we like the sxf but the xcf 350 with just an ecu and unfortunately you have to do forks if you have a pre-24 if you get a 24 it comes with uh, with spring forks that bike is probably my favorite overall bike because you just do simple little mods it's amazing and you can use it on the track or trail and so i think that's probably the best overall bike um i don't get too attached to bikes because i go through them pretty regularly so i don't get too attached to like one that was way better from the 90s or whatever i had a 77 rm80 that i think would be kind of sentimental if i found one of those that was really cool i might consider fixing one up but but i'd probably lose interest so uh, i'm not too i don't get too attached to bikes uh, just to the current one and maybe to people oh, nice so ali m says hi jay so appreciative of you passing along your vast knowledge how about that i have a question and thought it might also be a good one for that moto show I know you have shown us that you drain it, but why KTM says to don't open the drain bolts of the case to drain out the old oil in the case. So she's talking okay. about the that, that extra one. That we'll extra we'll, one on we'll the show a picture of that here. Yeah. But on the bottom, there's on the KTM. There's quite a few, you know, oil. You got a, a filter, a little filter on the side, not the main filter, but you got a little uh, screen. So you pull that off. You also have the drain that's either coming from the side or on a 450 or out the back on a 250 or 350. And then at the bottom of the engine, uh, there's a, it's an Allen or a Torx uh, 45. It's one of those two that fits, and it's just a little tiny plug. You're gonna uh, when you pull that out, you you can get 150 uh, uh, cc's it, yeah. yeah of oil. So it's a substantial amount of oil um, that comes out. Now that area is the crank area, and I think KTM is paranoid that people are gonna let that drain out and maybe maybe the bike sits a long time there's no oil in there i think they're concerned about there being oil at the crank i think that's their big concern if you put oil fill and now you can add 150 more than you normally would you know if you're doing your filter so in most of these bikes we're putting 1250 in these bikes um as well so that's a quart and a quarter for, for to help those out um when, when we do an air filter I'm sorry, an oil filter and that uh, drain at the bottom, we, we put in quite a bit. So that helps a ton. So it, and for, for us, that much oil, that's 10% uh, of the oil, let's say, uh, that contaminates that fresh oil right away and is already going to you know start to turn black. I'd rather have all fresh oil. And when you start the bike for the first time, you might prime it a little bit and definitely don't be ripping that throttle right away. Start it, let it idle for, uh, for you know, 15, 20 seconds before you give it any blips. So next one what do we got ag squires oh, yeah he's he asked a few questions he got but he got some good ones he so we, got, we, we read some of his yeah. last time he's he's took the effort to send us a few more so we're going to answer him straight away so he's doing a good job with this so he said the first question uh says i had issues with my honda 450r fork seals they lasted about 31 hours before they started leaking and leaking fairly decently i tried all the tricks couldn't get them to stop leaking so i'll be taking it to my suspension guy for a refresh my question are stock seals fine or should i try and go with skf okay. if they make them for my model wondering if they're better at keeping dirt and debris out do you have experience advice on how to get more hours out of fork seals okay so 
First that's thing a long is, one. Yeah. yeah, that's a long, a long one, but it's a good one because fork seals suck. When you go out and you're ready to go ride and it's blown. Now, so I'll go back. Let's go back to our bike washing one. If you're not washing your bike, this can can happen more often. So when mud, so if we don't wash a bike, we spray some W40 on the fork tubes and wipe them down. And so we get all the dirt off because as soon as they get a cut in that seal, if they get a cut in there, the, it, those, the seals are done. So... That's the first thing I would do is keep your bike clean all the time. As far as the Band-Aid fixes uh, of, you know, putting a, a wipe in there, it's tough. There's no real, once they start leaking, I very rarely have been able to fix them, uh, you know, easily. There's no quick, magic, easy fix, unfortunately, for fork seals. So he, he asked about the, and I, so I wrote my buddy Dave Schmidt at Schmidt uh, Suspension Performance, and he has some insights. He said that the uh, all the stock seals aren't as good as they used to be. Um, he's noticing a quality difference, and I, we've seen that on a lot of things, not just uh, seals. He's saying there's a quality difference. He does say the SKF or, hey, sponsor, what was that other one he mentioned? CSR? So, yeah, CSR, CSR. blue seals. They're so, blue. So, blue seals and the yeah. SKF green ones? Green ones yeah. are SKF. So, yeah. those two, he said, were the best quality seals that he's had, and we honestly, knock on wood, don't have a ton of fork seal problems because I think because we are washing our bikes straight away, not letting mud and dirt dry up on there. That's a big culprit of why you can get fork seals. Now, if you go ride in a mud race or something in, in muddy conditions, you have no choice but to keep riding, right? But we aren't usually in those kind of conditions a lot. Or you're trapped in mud and yes. you have to get out. I have experience with this, as you guys have probably seen on Instagram from a while back, but yeah. <laughs> For sure. All right, so what do we got next? Uh, yeah, anonymous asks. I, I guess anonymous. That's his. That's his name. His handle. Yeah, anonymous. I thought that was kind of a. Yeah, yeah. A cool handle, right? Would you rather attend a SoCal Supercross race, A one or A two, or a SoCal motocross race? Which over the years have you found more fun? All things considered, racing atmosphere, etc. And as a bonus, which venue track is the best for viewing? Okay, so all that said. I, I prefer to go to neither. Uh, listen, I've got to, don't don't tell that to fans because they're going to be upset. <laughs> so I, I've, I would say I'm jaded, but I've gone to a lot of races over the years. And about 15 years ago, I just stopped. Uh, now the only race that I so as far as the supercrosses, I I much prefer to watch them on TV. And I don't got you know drunk guys yelling, "Hey, Weisco J," and so and, and so that and you can see the races better. It's just it's just better. I but I enjoy football, for instance. And I don't go to football games for the same reason. I like watching them on TV for the most part. So same kind of thing. I prefer, I'm just that grumpy old guy who just prefers to watch it at home. As far as nationals go, I preferred when the national was at Glen Helen. And I would go to Glen Helen and watch a national, even on my own dime and everything, if the nationals were at Glen Helen. So, I've been to a lot of races. Right. Like a lot of more, almost every motocross race. I mean, Kenworthy yeah. and Binghamton, everything. And honestly, Glen Helen is probably the one of the best I've ever seen and for spectating. And he asked about spectating, and I'm not going to be SoCal, so but I will say you've been to Redbud. Yeah, I've been uh, to Redbud. Redbud and Washougal. Um, Millville's really good to watch. Millville. Too. Those are some of the better ones to get around where you can see, like some of the, Southwick's a great track, but you can't see a ton of it. You can see almost all of Millville except for the sand whoops. Yeah, so if, if you, you can to, yeah. see the rest of the track, you can't see the sand whoops. So I like those those tracks. I would, you know, if it wasn't so difficult and far away, I would probably go to one of those. You know, you make fun of me, but you know what? I, I actually like going and seeing the bikes for the first race. I yes. do get excited about seeing <laughs> yes. all the trick stuff there. I. I always get excited about seeing the bikes. Donnie's gonna have some photos for me to post from yeah. from A one. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. What else we got next, Spencer from uh, AG? So well, that, that was that was AG's second question. 
Oh, okay. That was that was AG's second question. But Derek uh, Breyer asks, Hey, Jay, I got a question about cleaning air filters with gas or kerosene. What are your thoughts on this? I've seen a few guys that use these, but I've always stuck to the Maxima cleaner. Uh, also, I was curious about the Honda Overflow, Overflow fuel line. If you could send me that part number, that would be awesome. Thank you. Okay. So first of all, that Honda fuel line, Overflow fuel line, is got those cool, so it's like like a clear pink hose, overflow hose, and we have that part number, and we'll put it on the screen right now. And uh, for those, and if you're listening to this and you can't see the screen, you go to our Google uh, Drive doc, and yep. you go to our Google doc, and that doc is in our link tree, or you can go to our website, and you can click right to it. In that doc is the part number, so that an that answers that. So you can, and you can just order it right from your Honda dealer. If you call your Honda dealer, they probably won't be able to find it for you. So it's easier just to get that part number, and you can plug it in and order it from however you're going to get your Honda parts. As far as washing filters, we have some good videos on this um, that show this. And yes, we will typically use a solvent or a gas. Uh, or a, a fuel to rough out the filter just quickly and we use the uni two-stage filters so usually we just dip it in there and just get the big dirt off in that one and then use like your cleaner either the the uni cleaner or that maxima like you mentioned we'll use those cleaners to then use a hot soapy water with that cleaner to wash off the rest and then of course we blow them off and let them sit out in the sun that whole thing and make sure they're perfectly clean before we reuse them or we use a, a, a service called mx filter service in southern california here if you send them a few filters at a time it's pretty cheap it's it's a pretty good value so we will do that sometimes as well if we don't want to get our hands dirty i use j clark filter service <laughs> yeah. all right uh matt l hey jay i have approximately 35 hours on my 23 ktm 350 SXF. Last time I rode, it felt like the clutch wasn't engaging well. How do I tell if my clutch is slipping? Do you have a video that explains how to tell or test? We've done a little, couple little YouTube videos talking about this, but one of the common, most, it, when I read that question, the first thing I think of is that the hydraulic uh, brake fluid in the master has not been bled. It's, it's just old fluid. And at that amount of time, it's, I'm, I'm going to assure you it's black. And most people do not flush out their brake fluid nearly enough you should do it at least once a year if not twice and on the clutch fluid it could be you know you could almost do it quarterly it depends on how often you're riding but it really does get heated up and it's a very small system if you look at how big your master is it there's not a lot of fluid in there so you, between that and the and the cable that's all the fluid that's in there it gets overheated and so th that's your biggest problem is there you can then but then what i would i would do that first if you still experience some issues then you'd pull your clutch cover off and inspect the clutch and see if there's any burnt plates my guess is no you don't have any burnt plates it takes a lot to burn up ktm plates my guess is you just need to bleed it flush it with good fluid and bleed it properly which we have videos on in our google uh, doc you can you can get the link to those videos awesome tegan m asks how do you guys get those swing arms so polished up okay it was hard work but we we first we get we have sano metal finishing in Marietta. they would do some blasting like vapor blasting but i think he would do a dry blast most of the time on those uh, like so it's dry it's like a beat it's it's like sand blasting but it's a lot different than a sand it's more of a media so he does a dry blast on that gets all the cast areas and then i take it to a guy named geronimo and geronimo is a specialty in polishing now unfortunately if you live outside of southern california you can't really ship stuff back and forth to geronimo he's not set up like that it's a drop by that kind of thing so in your local area, if you have anybody that does chroming or prep for chrome, anything like that, they will know a polisher. Because anything that gets chromed, like a bumper for a car, it has to get polished. 
So ask your any type it has Chrome, and they can probably send you to a good polisher in your town, and you could take them your 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 parts. It's a really we got some 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 pictures here. You can see how how amazing it looks when these things are are pop, buffed off. It's it's pretty amazing. So does Geronimo even have a phone? Because there's no way that guy's answering a phone. <laughs> he he actually keeps an like uh, uh, an AirPod in now. Oh, some, some yes. type of uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you see he's got something in his ear because he does answer now when I call sometimes. So oh, wow. typically I just go by and he's there eight to five. So it's pretty easy. So all right. So we in pretty deep now? We're 20 minutes in right now. Oh, boy. All right. So let's go to uh, our first product spotlight, right? So our first product spotlight today is from Fast Company, Fastco, which is Cole Townsend, who was from Southern California here. And they're in Utah now. He's got a kid racing. Hey, I used to live like literally a block from him in Long Beach. I mean, you got a story for everything. I know. Okay. So, but that's cool. <laughs> So this is my this torque wrench is like twenty five years old range and he just rebuilt it. You know they they went and respected it. When I first time I put it in there, it feels all nice now. So the nice thing with these these spoke wrenches, you can hear it click right here. That's it's set at forty eight inch pounds. So that tells you how strong my thumb is. First of all, right, right. Okay. So what's nice about this is you don't mess up and over tighten people go well i want to have an adjustable one uh, an adjustable one's just going to cause you problems stick with this setting that they have and you're golden you can use our code dbtv and it saves you like 10 percent on these uh the, you know, it's a really high high-end tool and you can pick which bits you want which size and if you call them they'll tell you what you know what sizes you need for your bike but that's what's so nice is you have different bits you can put in for each size the ktm bikes for years are all the same size front and rear which is nice if you have those if you have a honda there'll be different size front and rear like 6.2 and 6.8 and so anyway uh it's a great tool they also have a really good pattern we have videos showing you how to how to do that how to tighten your uh how to your spokes we it's you we we're tightening the spoke we hold two and we go to the next one so it's like three away we go and we do three laps on a rim and you do it do it it's works perfect so we've had really good luck with that so uh, check out fast company on the spoke wrench torque torque spoke wrench so I, i've had a lot of guys ask about that torque spec and where it came from and they worked with the guys at honda back then and came up with that and they've you know done some adjustments over the years but it works really well on the small bikes big bikes and so forth so that's what we like so what do we got next don you got something yep all right david h is it true that VPT4 should be stored in the can and not in a plastic jug? Okay, well, the answer is any fuel should be stored in a metal can, ideally. Any fuel. So whether it's pump fuel or anything should be ideally stored in metal, especially if you're going to store it for any period of time, more than a week or two, it should be in a metal can. So ideally, yes, I would I would try to store it. It's going to last longer. Um, you're not going to get any of the contaminants from the uh, plastic, and it's going to keep its right so yeah you definitely want to store it in metal if you can it's not critical and we don't do it you know we we try to have it in a metal can and we transfer it to a plastic can before we go ride so it's usually not in there longer than a week or so in the plastic um you know and obviously it's in plastic in your bike when you're leaving it with a half a tank in there and it sits for a couple weeks so but it's best to try to keep it in metal as long as you can yep so josh b asks hey i was wondering what the part number on the milwaukee screw gun you use is uh, I looked through all your videos, just couldn't find it to make sure I buy the right one. Thanks. Okay. So what I found on that, that, that I, I learned about this from Jamie at Twisted, and Donnie was with me. Really cool tool. And I bought the bits from Harbor Freight for it. 
the eight and ten and twelve, the you know little bits that go in it, and um, we'll have some pictures of it right here. Oh, Donnie got one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good I, job. Yeah, you, you he can't be better than me. So I yeah. found it on Amazon, <laughs> and so if you go to our Google, you sent me the link. Yes, good job. I, I so if you go to our Google Doc, we have it right in there, right? Yeah, so it's on there. So the part the, and. The, I have the Amazon links, and so you can just click on those, and you can buy it from wherever you want. But I have three different links for the charger, the batteries, and the unit itself, and it was way cheaper than buying a whole kit. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't too bad. I think it was like 120, yeah. 150 bucks max, I think, with everything, maybe less. Yep. Okay. All right. Ryan T., you've posted about this a ton, but I can't seem to find it. What's the part number for the Honda Carb Hose? you use when refurbishing an old bike hey that's d ditto right yes that, ditto so, so we, we already answered that same one yeah, he wants yeah. the, he wants that uh, overflow hose and that part number is right here on the screen and then uh, you can uh, go to our Google Doc and see it. If you're listening to this, just go to our Google Doc later uh, right from our website or link tree and you can get that in part number. So we get that question a lot. Yep. Maybe I should memorize that part You number. should, yeah. Okay. It's only like you know 11 digits long. You've right. definitely got that. Right. Uh, Adul says, hello, Jay. It's a pleasure to me. Yes. Uh, recently, I bought a KTM 350 XCF and I did some upgrades. Full system... Uh, Acropovic, Recluse, Torque, uh, in Helio, Impeller, all this stuff. Yeah. So he's trying to get the right ECU. The Get ECU looks very impressive, uh, and you can also tune by the phone. Uh, and he's talking. The Vortex has many good reviews. If you can please guide me on what Vortex, I will appreciate it. Okay. So on those, I like to. We 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 obviously everybody knows. I mentioned Jamie at Twisted a, a couple times a, a show or whatever. But the the reason is he doesn't sell just a regular Vortex. He, he, all of his maps within that Vortex that you ask for and you tell him what you're going to be riding, you tell him what fuel you're going to be using. All those maps have been dyno tested, and I can attest to that. They're not just guessed. We go into his shop regularly, and he's always on the dyno and he has settings and sometimes he'll have newer updated settings uh for for your unit so he has he stands behind it really good i would suggest the vortex that some people like to um get caught up in shiny things like i can adjust my bike with my phone but i can tell you there's one thing that i don't like doing when i go riding and that's working on my bike i like working on my bike in the shop right that's fine but when you're out riding and everybody's waiting for you or you're gonna or you're in between we typically don't like working on bikes at the track. It's not that fun. I think working on bikes at the shop is fun. You call that selfish. Yes. Like, I want to ride. I come out here to ride. I didn't come out here to work on bikes. It's, it, it, and the track's just getting worse and worse as you're working on it. It's going in your head. It's getting later. You're thinking of all the things you have to do. You're going to go wash that bike and ruin it with the power washer. You, you're thinking about all that stuff, right? And you got you to gotta be done by five because your wife wants you to do this or that. So you, who wants to work on bikes at the track? And I... and. If you have the good settings from Jamie at, at Twisted on that ECU, you don't have to adjust anything. There, rarely, rarely do we ever even go adjust a clicker. It's so dang good between the two maps that are on the switch. That's all you ever need, typically. And it really becomes three, whether they're trash control, traction control map. So on the trail riding, sometimes we backed her, I'll back her down to the, the slower map and traction control to get us uh, in there, and it's amazing. All right. Uh, Jamie F., Hi, I want more overread. I want more overrev and top end power for my 2014 YZ250. Would you recommend an FMF fatty pipe or gnarly pipe? I mainly ride long dirt roads and flat tracks at high speeds. Yep. So you got to make the okay. So I, I can just picture this, and so typically FMF makes those those pipes. The the 
gnarly is meant for grunt and you know that trail that grunt you know bottom to mid typically with the with the gnarly so we call it gnarly because you really get in there and that's the one that is going to be that the fatty or factory fatties are going to be more you know overall power more top end so that's what i would lean towards if you're looking for that more top end dirt road wide open speed i would go with the fatty for sure and uh and also some rear view mirrors i'm guessing on your helmet so you can see the roost behind you especially at sunset and so forth i think you're gonna want to look back and see that on those dirt roads mount a gopro to your rear fender pointing oh, back that'd be cool yeah <laughs> that'd be cool see the big roost you're throwing <laughs> yeah. uh lucas k says hey jay just wondering if you know the factory spec for compression on a 1999 yz250 just checked my bike earlier stone cold and haven't started the bike in a week it came in around 185 psa psi on a fresh top and bottom end cheers thanks for all the help okay so that sounds amazing 185 sounds great anything you know if you're getting over 170 to 200 and it depend that's all going to depend on what's been modified especially on an older bike you don't know if that head's been cut so forth so if you're in that range you're totally fine if you're getting under 150 then you can be have some room for concern i do recommend with two strokes having a compression gauge we have a good one i'll have a picture of that right here the snap-on ones gosh over 20 years old and and you can do that now on four strokes i get a lot of guys ask about compression and they they check compression but you can't really check compression on a four stroke you, you the way you check if a motor's worn on a four stroke is a leak down test and that's a lot more involved and i'm going to try to do a video on that in the future with jamie once things calm down in supercross here uh, i'll try to do a video showing how to do a leak down test and that tells you what the percentage of leak down is in the motor and if it's time to uh, to look at rebuilding it and that's coming from from the valves from the piston rings those types of things where there's some blow by and it's leaking for so for right now we do have a video on our google doc when we did leak down on a 350 with with david so, oh cool yeah so it's on the google doc just type in and that one was like three percent or something right it, it was, was like barely anything yeah, yeah we still rebuilt it anyways but you know <sighs> there's a video on our instagram of us doing it we should do a nice one with jamie and youtube so that you i forgot we have that one so yeah. that's on our google doc spencer's reminding me how great that thing is because you know who puts all those links in the google doc not me Spencer. Yeah. So he puts them all in there and he's complaining that it's too big, but it's quite long. It just keeps growing because we f have good info there. It's and like so 20 pages. You have to take your time to go through there, but it's broken into categories on there. So hopefully that helps find yep. them. All right. What do we got next? Boy, he has a full team of people. Yeah, he does. Things. Yeah. yeah. Right. Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer. Oh, man. David from Australia. I love your content. I can now change tires easily thanks to your videos. That's cool. Can I ask you why you prefer tubes versus tubeless versus moose? I was considering changing to tubeless for more traction in hard off-road situations. Thanks. Okay, so the and nothing against the tubeless guys. One of the downsides of the tubeless is when it does get a puncture, it becomes uh, a hole. And yeah, the guys have to put plugs in their tires, put plugs in slime. It becomes a huge mess. And so it's just to me, it's not really worth that. Also, most of the tires weren't designed to run at two and three and four psi like these guys are running in these tubeless uh, bikes, and they think that that's really good. It doesn't handle like it should. It's the bike wasn't the tires weren't intended to be like that. And the bike wasn't intended to be like that way. So, we like to run good heavy duty tubes. We'll even double tube them and run them all powdered. If you're not racing, that's a great choice. And if you're not in really remote areas, that's a great choice. We get about one flat a year. And I don't, it's knock on wood. How long has it been, Spence? Gosh, over a, over a year since we've gotten a flat between the two of us. You did yeah, the Green River last year, Green last River. fall. There was somebody else that got a flat recently with me, but we they weren't a part of our thing. And I know they were wearing, they had a, they had a thin tube. Okay. So, so not with us. You're right. So we, with 
just a regular heavy duty tube or double tubed, we get very few flats. Now, if it's funny how you're upset, like he had a thin tube, you had to mention. <laughs> I was like, well, why'd you get a flat? And We're then, out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And they, they, they also didn't check the tire pressure that morning as a lot of dudes yeah. just go out there and do, right? But so could, he could have been at five or six BSI yeah, easily. And then, yeah, and then the thin tube on top of that is just not, not recipe for goodness. So mooses are great. And I do like mooses. It, it, and they're, they are more difficult to install. But we have a Rabaconda now that helps a ton. So a moose is good, and it, but it is more expensive. So the, uh, what I tell guys, a moose is most important if you are getting in conditions that you cannot afford to have a problem. Guys that go to Baja, they most of those tour companies will not let you take anything but a moose. No no tubes, no tubeless, nothing. Just a moose because they want it. They don't want to have any problems. So, and you're very remote. They don't want to be dealing with flats out there. So I get that. If you're racing and can't afford, like racing a desert race, you can't afford a DNF, you can do mooses there. So what, what causes the flats the most? Is it pinching pin, the side? Pinch flats. Pinch yeah. flats. So pinch flats would be the most common. And then does ripping the valve stem, is that? Yeah, yeah that doesn't cact, happen too often. If you, and, and if you're in Baja, I know some right. guys yeah, just, just But just, besides like that a puncture, what is the, it's, it's a pinch, pinch flat. flat. Pinch flats. And Spencer knows exactly where he got his we were yeah. riding through there a few months ago and he goes a couple months ago and he goes hey this is right where we got that flat you were with us yeah he, he, he mentioned it's, it when we were talking on the down. cardos yeah there's this little uh, atv wide trail just really fun fast and he jumped down and you can see where there's exposed rock i came over it and missed it and he goes that's where i hit that that tire so uh, you also you can you know, when you're trail riding especially you can pay attention and avoid straight edge rocks or really rough straight edges yep so kevin h asks you know this is prefaced with he has a 2017 ktm 350 sxf i'm using my friend's 23 oh. ktm 300 sx forks because he got some corn some cone, cone forks uh, my question is can the 17 ar forks receive the same mods as the new exact forks or are they different when it comes to revalving for air setup or spring conversion? When Kiefer mentions the 6500 conversion, I wonder if it matters which set of forks I have to do them with. Okay, so air fork conversions are a big topic. And fortunately, like I said, these XCFs, the 24, which I'm hoping to get a, get one, hopefully I can get one, is comes with spring forks. So the, the conversions, uh, the 6500 kit, putting it in your older forks, would work just as fine as putting it in a 23. So a 17 or a 23, it wouldn't really matter as long as all the components in that 17 uh, aren't nicked up or dinged up. Uh, you'd be totally fine to do it in those older forks. It'd be just fine. All right, what else we got? So CC, you know, CYC. I mean, C should have a rider after that. CC rider. Yeah, or Psy Psy. Sci Sci, either one, right? Okay. Sci Sci. Uh, I haven't ri haven't had a bike in 15 years. I'm trying to get back into riding without breaking the bank. Uh, as I hope to get my son into it in a couple of years, I found a new 23 RMZ 250 for 5,000, you know, 5,999. Yeah, so basically six, six grand. grand. Yeah, at a dealer near me. They also have a used 20 YZ 250F, YZ250F and a used KX250F for the same price. I'm not sure how many hours are on the two used bikes. I have heard the Suzuki will get a pretty stiff suspension like stock. I know that the YZ and the KX will have more power, but that's not my major concern since I'll pretty much be learning to ride again. Any input is appreciated. Okay, so on that question, 
I would have to say for six grand, if I had a choice, if that was what I was looking at, I would probably choose the brand new Suzuki. It's, 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 it's a good bike for a kid and beginner and you could back off the clickers and, and you could reduce the sag to get rid of some of that. The front forks are a bit stiff, um, but I think you could click it out and make it rideable and you'd have something that's good and reliable. We've put tons of hours on that bike over the last couple of years and no problems uh, at all. I mean, really hard abuse. The older version that got updated, it got updated like in 18 or 19 and in that range and the older one did have some more durability issues. This this one has had zero. It's really strong, um, and maybe because it is so heavy uh, with the parts, they don't have they don't have any problem with parts. So, Jeff uh, asks, any reason I shouldn't double tube my front tire? Uh, not at all. So if you're double tubing the rear and you have a thin front that you want to sacrifice and cut open to double tube the front, no problem at all, especially for trail riding. It does add some weight. We typically don't do it for motocross because it's just adding more weight, and we get very few front flats ever. All right, what's next, Donnie? Uh, Niall from Ireland. Hi, mate. How are things? I'm heading over to the U.S. to visit some friends and go to A2. I also plan on hopefully to ride if possible. Is there any where I can rent bikes? Thanks. Okay, so I get this question a lot. Now, as far as motocross bikes, there is a good guy, uh, Luke Santos, uh, Factory MX Vacations is his uh, handle and all that. And and I hooked this guy up with him, and I think he got all set for that race. He, and there's another guy coming in this weekend uh from somewhere as well, oh, Italy. Italy. Yeah. Italy. He's coming in. We're going to ride with him Saturday, um, and we're meeting at Glen Helen uh, and with a few other guys. So he's actually meeting out there, and we're going to be there. Spencer and I are going to go. So that that's pretty cool. So you can rent. You can rent motocross bikes. There isn't. I haven't found a really good setup on trail bikes, and I'll, I'll work on that a little bit. See if I can find somebody. But in California, in Southern California, I get guys hit me up, and they want to come trail ride, and then they're hitting me up, and they're asking about you know June through August and September and I'm like dude we don't trail ride in California in those months like we, we go to mountains we go up to Utah Colorado Idaho we go to those places there's no desert riding for us anyway now there are people that do it we don't you know we're, we're fair weathered friends we're getting out to the track early while it's wet and cool so yep. so anyway that, that's a great help on the motocross ones and we get a lot of guys coming over from Europe and other places that want to ride and that's a great place to do it Justin T is asking, hey Jay, I'm looking for a new bike and can't decide between the Yamaha YZ250FX or the KTM 250XCFW. I mainly ride single track, enduro, and GNCC hair scrambles. I'm coming from a KTM 300XCW and wanted to get into the four-stroke market. Okay, so my answer is don't buy either. Because on the small four-strokes, we have found there's very few people that are happy with the small four-strokes, whether it's KTM or Yamaha, uh, off-road on the trail. We, we tried it, and they're just not great. Um, if you're riding just motocross uh, or, say, GP races, I'd be fine with it, um, that kind of stuff. But if you're getting into the woods and serious trail riding, you're just not going to have that snap. So I say you go to a 350 four-stroke or you go to that 300 two-stroke. Those are your two best options for trail riding, in my opinion and racing and that stuff is that 300 that you had um, or a 350. Wouldn't you agree, Spence? I would agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Because with that 250F, you just when we come up to something and it comes out of the blue and you want to just pop over and I don't have great skills on you know on that stuff but I want to be able to just lift the front wheel a tiny bit that 250f just doesn't have it where the 350 or the 300 will. So that that's that's why I choose that. Yep. All right. Next one. Nice. Uh, that was it. That's I, it. Aren't oh. you going to do uh, a, your product? Oh, last yeah. Product product last yep. product spotlight then yep. is this rim. This isn't a brand new rim. This rim is from 1973. This is for my Husky build. This is an Akron uh, rim, a stock rim front that's 50 years old. Okay. This has been polished by 
Geronimo. Yep, he polished this thing up. It looks like brand new. This thing looked terrible to begin with. I don't have any before photos, but you got the idea at 50 years old. So you can, and there was no, there's no buying. You can't buy this rim. And so we started this project with my buddy, uh, Norm Francis, on this old 73 we're building. And that's how good the rims come out on this thing. And then we're going to have Faster USA lace up the wheels when we get the, uh, the hubs is Cerakoted and all you know fixed up. We're gonna have uh, Sano help us with the hubs, and then and Faster USA will help us build these wheels up. So you can polish out a lot of things if you find a good polisher by you, and that'll help. So that's some our of last these wheels. Show. Some of these wheels, even if because you can't get them, even if they have little cracks and stuff, y you should repair them. Yes, and I just did that. So my buddy Dallas helped me weld, and he just welded the rear for this this bike and i'm getting that back today or tomorrow and we're going to take that to geronimo and get the rear polished out and we did have a little cracks so we put a when we took the spokes off we put a tight ratcheting tie down around it to keep it in place and and uh, dallas welded it got it nice and then geronimo blended in it should be shouldn't be visible so we're hoping awesome all right so uh, i think that's it right so what do we got from you you usually have yeah a yeah, yeah i got a question. question for both of you guys since oh. spencer's here new okay. yep. and uh, i'm super excited about i guess it'll be today's race now yeah so i want to know from each of you what you're most excited about mm. for this race and this season well first of all mine would be similar to yours is i want to i'm hoping and hopeful that that tomac can go at that pace that he was and you know and and can race with jet and be out front and and finish top threes win some races that's what i'm hoping for in the 450 class um and and honestly that all of them i i like to see them all do well i'd love to i love when there's different winners you know last we had a bunch we had you know six or seven different winners or more it was it was a lot yep. i like seeing that and no matter what anybody says the field is pretty dang deep with so many past 450 winners and you can even count Jet as a 450 winner winning, you know, the the SMX that he just did. He's legit 450 rider. There's no way around it. So with him and you got, you know, Anderson and, and Webb and Mookie. Barsha. Uh, Bar Mookie hasn't won a 450 race. but No, if you but I'm Anderson, saying that that guy's I mean, on the cusp. I mean, we got like six or seven guys that have won 450 races. Right. Okay. Yeah. That alone. How many champions, how many there, champions are in the field? There's got to be four or five. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with... with Tomac, Sexton, Webb, Anderson, and Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, hope I'm not missing anyone, but that's, yeah. there's a lot. And then 250 champions on top of that. There's a there's few a, of those. There's so, quite a few, yeah. Yes, yeah, in, in there. So it's a great field. It should be fun. I, sometimes I get overly excited and it tends to be boring, but I don't want to, so I want to jinx it, but it should be, it should be great. I, I, my biggest hope is that everyone stays healthy because that, that's what really hurts our sport. Our sport is very dangerous. So the, the, if we can keep all the guys healthy, that'd be the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, for for me, it's the same thing with the, but not so much. I, I mean, I think the 450 class is always entertaining to me because it's such such a high you know caliber skill level. Even if there's only two dudes that are going at the top pace, right? But watching just two dudes like lap almost everybody is still entertaining to me because it's just like wow, look at those two, right? But also for the 250 class, a lot of times I remember going. I think it was like two years ago, uh, going to the Salt Lake round, and this was I think it was at the end of COVID or whatever. But the Salt Lake round, like. Everybody who was in the LCQ made it because of how few 250 yeah, riders there were, and it was kind of it was kind of like oh wow like if I had just ridden the track, me who's never raced Supercross could have made it to a main event, which is like that's so silly right? But it's just like I did I want the 250 class to stay for East and West to stay competitive the entire time because sometimes we just don't see that right so yeah so All hopefully right, hopefully it. it does so that's yeah. that's it we have one new segment for episode three we are going to show you a CD each week. 
an actual CD. Now, a lot of people don't know what these are, but uh, they go in your disc player, and uh, hopefully you have a disc player still. We found out that most of these work in your Blu-ray player as well. Yeah, so, they'll work on almost any game console. Game console as well, so yeah. that's good to know. This is from 1985 Dockin', and don't get confused by the uh, girly clothes that's still uh, rockin'. And so this is one of the best CDs from 1985. Uh, just a great CD, and we would listen to music as a CD all in a row, and it just has a better flow to it when you listen to a whole album, as they say. And so that'll be our spotlight for today is uh, Dockin' Under Lock and Key. And uh, my favorite songs on here is It's Not Love, Unchain the Night, In My Dreams, don't lie to me. Oh, gosh, I mean, it's almost every one. I liked when you listen to a CD so long that you always knew which song was next. It happens all the time when I'm driving around and a song ends and I'll tell Spencer what the next song would have been. Would have been. Or, or could, if, if we're on the listening, radio, usually, yeah, if we're just right? listening to the radio, I go, hey, the next song is boom. After and, that, yeah. And I go, because yeah. I'm ready to start singing the next song. So now nowadays, no one gets that because no. you don't listen to an album in its entirety very often. And we would, it would be on play. If, it, if I had a new album, it would be on play for a week or three Nonstop. So every time you hopped in, you picked up at that same song, whether it was the tape deck or the CD, it would just pick up and you were just listening to it nonstop. So anyway, that's a great one for you guys that don't understand good music. And I get a lot of guys asking uh, about our playlist and stuff. I did just get a Spotify, so I'm going to try to create a list on Spotify for everybody uh, that wants some real music. So I wish we could play music on here. I'm going to write Dawkin and Tesla and ask them if we can play the music. Yeah, yeah, we need to, we need to get some some, nice. some good music so hope you guys enjoy don't forget to like comment subscribe and all that cool stuff and uh, we'll hopefully we'll see you out in the track or trail soon we work with some great companies and here's a list of those right now Dunlop Motorcycle Tires Wiseco Piston Vinco Air Shocks and Dirt Bike Parts FMF Exhaust Decal Works Graphics Pro X Racing Parts Recluse Clutch Revolution Motion Pro Specialty Motorcycle Tools Works Connection Uni Filter, Klotz Oil, Cometic Gasket, MX Plastics, JE Pistons, Cardo Systems, ODI Bars and Grips. And remember, if you shop Rocky Mountain, use our link from our site, Linktree, or link in the description of the videos. Thanks for watching and listening. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe.